So this is Morning Brew, Season 2, Episode 8. Ten. I'm Stephen Burke. That's Adam Sharon. And that's Daniel Purcell. All and we're right. joined today by Craig. What's up, Craig? Say hello, Craig. Now recording. Perfect, perfect, excellent. Love having Craig on the show. Yes, this is episode 10, double digits, big birthday boys. That's what's going on today. What episode did I say it was? Eight. <laughs> Close enough. It, I mean, it was episode eight at one point. You Twice got, even. You could have gotten away without calling attention to the fact that Adam corrected you as well, Steve. Our, our listeners wouldn't have picked that up. They're sheep. They that is true. They're in the, it's there in the screen before them. I, I have great faith in our listeners and their intelligence. Except clearly, for the Clearly they have thought about all the things they could be doing with their day, or at least all the things they could be listening to while they're getting on with their day, and they've chosen to listen to our podcast. That is yeah. a very intelligent decision. That's true, that's true. Because if you heard a lot of podcasts that are out there, because they're not very good. Like, they're not very good at all. So, you know, if you've decided to settle in on one like this, you're, you've done a good job. You know, you're stepping up. I like to think it was the logo that drew them in. It's bright colors. Drew them. Yeah. Because it was drawn. All of, our, all of our great business ideas that come up on the podcast all the time. You know, we're going to be making millions any day now. Chocolate ass is on the way. I had, I had a business idea recently, but now it's not coming to mind. I'm going to have to go back over my notes to find it at some point. But yeah, episode 10. We're in double digits again. Back to double digits. That My family made a big deal about that when I turned 10. It was a, apparently a big deal. It's, 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 really not, it's really not a big deal. The big one. Oh. What did you do for your 10th birthday? Uh, I think I might have went to Kerry. Jesus. Or I think maybe I was in Kerry. Kiss the Blarney Stone. No, we that went on a carriage before. ride. Ah. It was so, we've another, so we have another clue, Daniel. Daniel, we have another clue. We have another clue what, about when his birthday that, is. What, that we know it was probably a school holiday. No, it wasn't. Went on a carriage ride. I was, <laughs> where'd you I go? Was what the fuck, all the time. So what the fuck were you doing in Kerry? Having a birthday. I see. Long <laughs> yeah. way for a birthday. <laughs> was Leisureplex in Blanchestown not good enough for you, no? Oh, we couldn't afford Leisureplex, dude. That was expensive. Was it? Oh. Yeah. You want to set up a, if you set up like a bowling party, it's like fucking 15 quid a kid. And you have to bring like eight kids to it. That's pricey. Holy yeah, shit. I never thought about it. I think because I did it fucking every birthday in Leisure Flex. So you went, right. a, you went in a jaunt in car and carry. All right. Yeah. I can't remember the details around it. Probably Killarney. It's the only place they got horses still in carry. Probably. It's the only time I think it's no. I've been in I've been in Kerry a couple of times, but it's one of the only times I've been in Kerry. But I don't know why I was there. I can't, I honestly have no idea what the situation around it was. I just I'm pretty sure I was either there for my birthday or I was there and then it was my birthday. One I or the have, other. I have no real specific memories of any of my birthdays. Really, I have like a melange of the. I know okay, McDonald's sometimes, Leisureplex a few times, but I have sometimes in the house. But I can't. I wouldn't be able to tie. A single birthday to a specific day. My um, my youngest memory is my birthday. I bet you could tell me what Pitt the Elder did for his 10th birthday, Don. Probably became fucking secretary of the state or something. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my, my earliest memory is, is, uh, is of my birthday. And it's a really weird memory because if, you t if I think back to it, I think about how I was really confused because I kept seeing people that we wouldn't normally see, like aunts and uncles and stuff. And I was really confused by that as a kid because I, mean, I was very small. But all these people coming to the house all day was really confusing to me. But also, I kept getting given Batman, the animated series toys, 
um, because I was a, I was huge into Batman when I was a kid. They kept giving me Batman toys, and I was really confused by this. While people kept handing me things, I couldn't. I just I, I remember being a really confusing time, which so is because kids are fucking dumb. How old were you? I think four. Four is a fairly late er, earliest memory, isn't it? Do you remember starting school? No, I think I would have been four when I started school. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what my my earliest memory is walking through a door. I have no idea where the door is. Maybe it's a completely fabricated <laughs> memory at this stage. But like, I just have a vague sensation that I walked from one space into another, and that's all the fucking memory I have. The worst well, the part problem- about it is is that my mom's house has undergone like major changes since she bought the thing. So when I think back to that memory, it's the way the house was originally built and looked like, which wasn't for very long. And it's really weird because whenever I'm in my mom's house, it's like it, it could be it might as well be a different house entirely. Like nothing is the same in the way the layout was or anything like that. But it was it was only like that very, very briefly. And I just can't I can't uh, I can't look. I can't think back to that without thinking like it's so strange that I can remember the color of the walls in this place and where the back door used to be, which yeah. is no longer there now. It's just a wall. And the back door has been moved over to the other side of the kitchen. And it's like, oh, it's this is strange. This is a strange memory. Where it messes with your sense of space when you're like, it used to be like this. Yeah. I don't I don't remember how the old place fits into the new place. Yeah. <laughs> Same with my granny's house was redone. And it was redone when I was like seven. And it just really upset me because I thought that they'd like knocked down the entire house and rebuilt it because of it. <laughs> <laughs> because like the hallways were in different spots where there used to be a room there wasn't now. Like I, I think it was one of my first like really just feelings of being like spatially uncomfortable or something I <laughs> I before I knew to be certain was completely changed. What's the best what's the best you do you have any like iconic presents that you've ever gotten for your birthday? Or like not iconic in like a share way, iconic in just a you had it for a long time type of way. Yeah, I had the the original uh the 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 Batman cartoon uh Batmobile toy that when you pulled the back of it it separated out and it was the plane. Oh, oh crazy sick. Yeah, I had I had several set piece Lego sets, um, and the great thing about set piece Lego sets is, um, they are in many ways a metaphor for the fragmenting of childhood memory because you find bits of them everywhere forever, um, <laughs> but there's absolutely no possibility of putting the original back together. Did you do you end up like just taking Lego pieces and almost not remembering where they came from, but giving them a new meaning? Like we had we had a bike helmet, and I don't know where it came from in the Lego set, but that was the baddies helmet. So whenever we mm-hmm. play with the Lego after that, we'd have to put the baddie helmet on that on, on whoever the baddie was because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they were a good person because everyone knows motorcycle helmets equal evil. That's just <laughs> TV shows and movies need to start going back to using the word baddie. We need to that needs to be a added back into the lexicon. Like what? What if Avengers Endgame would have been so much better <laughs> had when everyone. Yeah, when everyone joined up at the end, when all of the Avengers joined up, if they had said, let's go get the baddie, that would have been a much better line than Avengers I, Assemble. Thing is, I so sort I, of I understand it correctly, Mr. Thanos is the baddie. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yeah, Mr. Thanos is the baddie. But I do sort right, of think baddie is permanently current. It's just until you have to interact with kids, you don't have to engage with it. I'm sure, like, you know, there were children who, who left Avengers Endgame who were like, he, uh, I'm glad they killed the baddie. The, par- the parents had to stop me like that's a stupid fucking word he's stupid kid i mean i'm sure i'm sure you're right dan but i'm thinking back to like every marvel film we've ever seen in the cinema since this mcu stuff kicked off and i don't remember a single child ever being in any one of those screenings <laughs> it was unfortunately what are you talking only about Every- what are you talking about everyone under 35 in ireland is a man child at this point anyway absolute child I- we're all absolute I mean, children how dare you <laughs> and apparently over the age of uh 
Apparently over the age of 70 as well, if your name is Owen Harris. <laughs> no, I don't, no, think no, should, no. I don't think we should discuss the Owen Harris thing, purely because I'm sure they'll have discovered 6 million other fake accounts that he's been running by the time it comes out. Listen, those tweets were just resting in his account. <laughs> it turns out he's half of our subscribers. <laughs> Man, I... I have to... I googled Owen Harris yesterday so I could put together that stupid Scooby Doo meme. Like just, I, I just, it just, I just had to do it. I don't know what it is. I have, a, <laughs> I have like a, I have like a twitch in my fucking brain that when I think of something, I just have to do it, and it's just a gigantic waste of time. Yeah. But, but like some of the pictures that fucking turn up of that fucker's head, if you just Google Owen Harris, is like who took these photos? <laughs> some of them are like so bizarre, and like they're used. <laughs> They're photos that were like used on like newspaper articles and stuff. It's like what what were you, what was anyone thinking here? How bizarre! Like, is this him like recreating uh, Burt Reynolds lying topless on a on a shag carpet? Weird. Or one of the photos. I'm not gonna say what the photo is, but if anyone wants to look it up and ask if this is the one, I will confirm if this is the one I'm talking about. There's one that looks like basically, if you look at some kind of like business tycoon who then got like taken down for being like some kind of sex pest. It looks like the photo that you'd see as they're on the way in or out of court um, at that point when everything's falling apart. And it is bizarre. And it was used on a newspaper article. I don't know what, how many years ago. But it's so weird looking. It's so, and it doesn't even reflect what they were writing about. It's crazy. And I just seen that and I was like, why would you take and use this? This is the, the most, worst photo. The most iconic one I've seen so far is where someone has just pointed out that he looks exactly like Scotty from Star Trek. <laughs> but like that's the, true actually the late, yeah, the later true. movies the later movies with the original cast when they're all starting to age quite a lot it's not like young scotty it's like scotty in terminal decline that's scotty so <laughs> not scotty so hottie not, no. not scotty pippin either <laughs> um yeah that that's a the that's short a, the short answer is probably a lot of the pictures taken were either like either Quick headshots taken, or possibly, uh, possibly taken at funerals, which might mean he's uh looking a bit sad and depressed on it. The whole thing that might make it look a little bit more like a mugshot. Is that Maybe. what they do? Do they take photographs at funerals specifically for that, or like funerals like oh yeah, not to get pictures? Oh. oh yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the wacky world of the Irish media industry. Um, because you know, people don't appear in public that often that you want to write stories about and. Funerals are a good opportunity to take pictures of them. So is that just like you take the picture just in case you need it later on? So like, yes. So there's just like random pictures of Fintan O'Toole around there just in case he ends up being a, a sex oh, yeah. or something. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like this is the important part about publications and newspapers and stuff is that like, and, and indeed photo agencies is that you need to take the pictures for the day that you need them. That's all about anticipating about who's going to get themselves in trouble down the line. But the one <laughs> and, and right. the trick is and the trick is just take pictures of as many people as you possibly can. Because obviously the day that someone's business goes bankrupt isn't the day they're gonna go pose for pictures. And also you imagine that like if someone is, is accused of something fairly serious, they're not gonna give you a villain picture. Mm -hmm. Although I suppose there is that famous one. Do you remember um the picture of Brendan Smith, the pedophile priest from the nineties, where yeah. um when he was being taken into court, he goes up to some random uh, I think it's the Irish Mirror, was it? it was some, some, some random uh, photographer, anyway, and essentially just leans forward and does like the Kubrick mm -hmm. stare into his camera. So <laughs> your man got like the ultimate villain picture of a villain. And you just, it was just really fucking weird. It would be like fucking Saddam Hussein 
you know, and he's going into his trial, stopping to twirl a mustache or stroke a white cat or something. <laughs> like, why did he oblige that specific photographer? It's like, yes, I have to get the people on side. I'm going to show them me as if I was yeah. about to fucking molest their child. <laughs> uh, Probably, it's possibly a combination of he lost the head and also he may, he may have been dragged around in that shot. By He may have been in custody. He may have been the custody of prison officers at that point. I'm not sure. Because at the old I mean, four courts building, they used to take pictures through the railings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You just—I I suppose I'd have to go look it up. They'd be, taken, probably, they'd be, taken, out, they'd be taken out of court and down a set of steps through to um, to the uh, to the cells, which were underground in the old four courts building where the criminal courts used to sit, and um, they would photograph them on their way down there. But that doesn't happen anymore because they moved up to the criminal courts of justice building all the criminal cases so now it's only civil cases and people who are on bail who could be photographed i do have before we get into genuine topics here i do actually have a announcement uh-huh. um so we did actually um we did actually get a winner for the the best piss story and yeah, it was okay. submitted it was submitted on uh, twitter by barbara pym too and uh it is she <laughs> She pissed an entire career down the fucking drain. So congratulations, <laughs> the prize is on its way to you. Have a great. I hope you enjoy it. I it's it, you know I really appreciated what you've done in the past week. Uh, so what are, enjoy. What are we sending? Uh, they <laughs> we'll be sending a pre-filled out doll card because <laughs> 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 they'll need it next week. Barbara Day, Pim, care of Mr. Owen Harris, care <laughs> of the Sunday Independent, Talbot Street. No, no. If you were to resign in disgrace or be fired in disgrace, there's no better fucking age to have it happen to you than 78. In fairness, you, you can't really say disgrace because <laughs> he has at no point had any regret, remorse, or any even kind of of hint of uh, <laughs> hint of trouble from it. Like he just genuinely doesn't seem like he gives a flying fuck. It's, yeah, it's you got to really admire that a little turned. bit. I Career. do. I fucking do. I mean, he, he's committed to the bit. He's really committed to the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe for a fucking second there's multiple people in any of these accounts. It's absolutely <laughs> just Owen Harris. Like, I, <laughs> I don't believe for a second there's multiple business people involved in running these fake Twitter accounts. I'm sure they have their own, but I do not think they are involved with Owen Harris's Twitter <laughs> accounts that he made up. I think it's all him, a hundred percent all him. But yeah, I do, I do respect the way where it's like, yeah, I did it, and I'd fucking do it again too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a mad bastard. But I mean, and aside from, obviously there's some serious stuff in there about bullying and everything else. But I feel like the main problem a lot of people have with it is making a Twitter account to comment about how great you are under your articles is the ultimate weenie move. It's just, (laughs) it's just the most embarrassing thing that can, it's like when people forget to log out of their Twitter account to log onto their alls to say, yeah, excellent stuff, David Cameron from David Cameron. Like it's just, it's, it's deeply cringe. I yeah. think it actually exposes a a real crisis of confidence in in newspaper opinion writing um, in Ireland. You know, so far they've never felt the need to uh, grapple with their own irrelevance. But Owen Harris, in that fame, for those for the uninitiated, Mister Harris is a is a is a commentator, a long running commentator in the Sunday Independent newspaper, who um, has a particular possibly unique sense of horror and disgust 
at the political party Sinn Féin, of course, the political wing of the IRA, and you can have perfectly legitimate reasons for hating Sinn Féin. Owen Harris just refined it. I'm not going to say to an art form, but certainly he devoted his life to it. He'll yeah. say that himself. And despite having a major political column in the most prominent position for a column of any Sunday newspaper, like after the editorial, and the Sunday newspapers in Ireland are as massive as they are in any other English-speaking country, um, and the Sunday Independent is the biggest of them still, and by far the biggest broadsheet uh, in absolute terms by circulation. Despite having that massive platform for his anti-Sinn Féin views, he decided he was marginalised, and he literally said that he had no platform despite having one of the biggest media platforms in the country. It's just yeah. that no one, no one read him anymore, or at least that was his impression, and no one put him on the Sunday morning radio shows. His columns never got any pickup, just because the shtick never changed, and that was why he felt the need to set up the <laughs> Twitter account and jeopardize a column that was surely earning him a thousand euro plus maybe 1500 2000 euro a week it it does speak to that like i think element among a lot of fucking cranks where they assume that being you know heard and is the same as getting a reaction like if they don't get a reaction then they've somehow been cancelled or they're not being given a platform or they've any of those kind of terms (laughs) that they like to use whereas in fact people are just fucking bored with you like yeah well, what's yeah. the point? There, but also, you know, Harris was a Harris might have been a lot more relevant in the early days of the peace process. Um, I think a lot of people struggle to see the relevance now of having someone who's just insanely angry at Sinn Fein all the time. It does. Now, it, 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 it is the, like but the fact is, at times. well, the fact. Look, Sinn Fein have their own skeletons. I feel quite sure, but you know. They're a mainstream party now, and with every generation that passes into obscurity, or with every every successive year of retirement, there's only one way that that is going. And probably Owen Harris had possibly overstayed his welcome, but certainly the bit had. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was saying. Like, there's certain there's a certain level to it which is like borderline depraved, where it's like, all right, we need to stay, you need to take a step back here, dude. It's been like fucking eighty years. <laughs> you know, you gotta like really, you gotta you gotta chill out a bit. But like. Look, I suppose at this point, whether he loses his income or not doesn't really matter at this stage. He's like a fucking thousand years old. He's it's not like it's not like he's still fucking nickel and diamond his way through life. He's all right. <laughs> He'll fucking survive. I just think that like it's so funny that this, which is something that he's gonna try and like laugh off, is something that's gonna stick to his name for a very very long time. Like <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of people that probably didn't know who Owen Harris was because when I made that stupid Scooby Doo meme, I shared it with the work group. And no one understood it. Even the Irish people didn't understand it because they didn't know who Owen Harris was. When but did the you make it? Was, uh, what time yesterday did you make it? I don't know. Whenever I posted it through WhatsApp. Was it before drive time or after? Before. Uh, before. Yeah, the interview on drive time will have brought it to a lot more, uh, yeah. a lot more mainstream attention. I mean, yeah. it's always just it's always intensely hilarious whenever this Twitter discourse shit breaks out into real life. Yeah. Well, and especially more, when it gets the, embarrassing, though. Like, it's not even like, like, this is like a real, like, low level of like, oh, this is, this, I, I feel embarrassed for you. Um, <laughs> like, this is, this is really lame, dude. I feel, <laughs> I feel really embarrassed for you. And like, you're in your 70s. Like, you should really be like, beyond giving a shit about this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, find a different hobby. Take up oil painting. 
maybe um, get some binoculars and look at ships and track shifts, the movements of ships. At some it's point, not, you just gotta. Yeah, it's not quite as depraved as the, as the um, fucking Glinner stuff, where he went on Tinder, uh, pretending to be a trans woman to like lure people in or whatever. And mm. um, like that's just genuine depravity, and like you really need to go talk to somebody about that because there's like a level of anger and hatred and like venom in that that's like not mm. normal. This is just kind of lame. Like you're just kind of a fucking dork. And like in at the age of seventy odd, should be like well beyond this, like well beyond this. But <laughs> yeah, it's just you know there's certain things that are just gonna always carry over, and this is one of them. Well, it just goes to show that you know social media use can be damaging to your health and career. Yeah, a little bit too much. Well, like a little bit too much of it, and you possibly like one of the one of the aspects that someone pointed out about the Graham Linehan or Graham Linehan's behavior on Twitter was that. He was spending morning, noon, and night on the on the platform, like he was posting from the early hours of the morning, late into the night, like eighteen hours a day. He'd be on, and not just like posting intermittently, but like constantly chatting to people yeah. on it. Yeah, hundred percent. That is a level of that is a level of social media addiction that is like World of Warcraft level tier stuff, and that but, is and, not good. But also, like, it's not even to like to the sense of like, you know, if you play a video game for twelve hours straight, I mean, you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> Don't do that. But if you just like, if you oh, unless it's for charity games, or something. But like, if you're just soaking up that much time in like a video game, like you probably should take a step back. That's a little bit too much time to sit sink into mm. something all at once. Or it's but when it out. comes to when it comes to like a social media thing, though, if you're interacting with a group of people, like you know, in the way he was, where it's like very aggressive and toxic, and that's your entire mindset, morning, noon, and night, weeks and weeks and weeks and months on end to the point where you then start setting up your website to be all about this and like setting up fake like trans pictures of yourself to like lure people in on tinder and stuff there's that's you're gonna fuck yourself up like <laughs> like that's really gonna fuck that's really gonna mess you up dude yeah it's not good no like that, that's you know what i mean there is a there's a level of that where it is like hey you need to talk to somebody <laughs> mm. like like there's a deeper issue here than like just you having this like weird fascination online like you do need to talk to somebody um and and really like get to the bottom of this because there's a there's a deeper like more problematic issue at hand it's an official morning brew recommendation to all of our listeners get off twitter go for a walk stop posting and when just you're on your walk download previous episodes of morning brew yeah. Available on Spotify, iTunes, morning, uh, mediasuplex.com forward slash morning brew. They're all there. Follow all us there. on Twitter. Are Only we, we may I'm, post. I'm, I'm boycotting Spotify. I'm not going to pay for it anymore because um, of the Joe Rogan thing, vaccine denialism thing. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not paying for it which, anymore. I'm buying albums which, again. Which is great because, like, uh, man, all of my stupid jokes about Joe Rogan really came back to, like, that was a real evergreen feud I started there, wasn't it? Or <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, people were coming out to me and I was like, ah, he doesn't, you know, I'm sure he's not that bad of a guy. Then boom, he's a bad guy. And it's like, yes, there we go. There we go. Called it. Called it. I fucking told you all that Joe Rogan was dumb. I fucking told you. And here he is. And you can all see it now. What a fucking idiot. Mama told me Joe was dumb. I don't know what you can expect. Look, he's a guy that gets fucking... Jordan Peterson tells him, hey, you should only eat steak. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll only eat steak. And then he's like, man, I lost 10 pounds. I had massive diarrhea for like two weeks straight, though. It's like, yeah, of course you did. Why wouldn't you? What? You've destroyed your nutrition. You're in your 50s. 
He's a 50-year-old man that decided, hey, I'm not going to eat any fruit or vegetables anymore. I'm only going to eat mostly raw meat. Yeah, of course you fucked yourself up, dude. What are you talking about, lunatic? Get the but fuck out of it, here. Do they eat it raw? I think they, they essentially, like, barely cook it, yeah. It's like, eat. you know, it's it's essentially eating it blue for the most part. Uh, why? Because people are fucking dumb, dude. They're fucking stupid. These are the same people that think intermittent fasting is like a magic trick. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if I, if I skip breakfast... If I skip breakfast and lunch, then my gut's going to transform itself where I could eat ice cream for dinner and I'll lose weight and also get ripped and put on all this muscle. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'll see you in six months. The only person I've ever met who was doing intermittent fasting was the most unhealthy person that I've ever met. <laughs> I was a healthy looking person. He just radiated ill health. Just I mean, I had a I sickly demeanor. I don't have a problem with intermittent fasting in general. Uh, I mean, there's good portions of the year, not at the moment, because of the, you know, current situations we're in. But normally, like on a regular day to day, like I'd, I'd technically be like well within an intermittent fasting window between my last meal of the night before and my first meal of the next day. Like just, just based on how I. Breakfast or whatever. Yeah, I don't like eating too early. And then, like, the way I schedule my meals and stuff, I schedule them so I can get, like, well, or try and get the calories and stuff that I need. Um, in, in a certain window and things like that so that I'm not like too full and can get like workouts in in the afternoon mm. stuff like that but I mean you know stuff like that's fine like if you're if you're doing intermittent fasting like your your body will get used to you eating at certain times of the day and your digestion will get better because your body's used to okay this is when I start to get food in then it will start to digest the food a little bit better and you will notice improvements there it's not magic you know what I mean you're not gonna like oh I've if you notice that, like, hey, I've started doing intermittent fasting and I've suddenly lose weight, so yeah, you're starving yourself, you fucking idiot. If you give yourself a, this, like, whole, like, oh, I eat one meal a day or I only have a four-hour window to eat thing, it's like, look, look at how much weight I've lost. Like, yeah, because you've starved yourself. Well, that, well, of course, like, course you've like lost weight. Calorie, calorie deficit diet, right? Like, that's all it is. <laughs> that's the only way it ever works, ever. Like, all of these things are an absolute fad <laughs> scam to convince people that are at the end of their rope that this is going to help them. And they prey on you people. And then you end up in a worse spot than you're in, but they've also taken all of your money at the end of that. So now not only are you in the same position health-wise and weight-wise, but now your wallet's lighter because they've just taken your money from you. And they prey on those people. Especially, and if, you're only, especially if you're only eating steak. It's an expensive yeah. way to go. Yeah. Rice is cheap. Yeah, well, you know, it's look. People are gonna, I suppose, always look for for a shortcut. But the reality is, is that it's purely calories. It's if your calories are low, your weight's gonna go down. If your calories are up, your weight's gonna go up. If your calories are in the middle, where they need to be for a day to day, your weight will stay the same most of the year. There you go. That's the magic of it. Don't don't buy into all this stuff. Don't be starving yourself. Don't be eating half a grain of fucking rice a day, or, or any of this shit. Just eat a fucking meal. Just eat healthy. That's it. That's all you gotta do. You can eat three or four times a day. Get your fruit and veggies in. Then eat what you want. Eat what you feel like and drink plenty of water. Be fine. Okay, let's move on from this morbidity and obesity. Because Joe Rogan's fat now, apparently. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he says. Um, And let's move on to something else. Dan, what have you got for us? So I have been exiled to the downstairs room because uh, Nuria has bought Animal Crossing. So uh, this lovely... Happy bird noises, trumpet sounds, everything else coming from the upstairs. Uh, and as I was setting up and listening to this, um, and I recently have bought the new Pokemon Snap for the Switch, which I noted had a very similar sort of uh, sound or vibe coming from upstairs. 
So I've decided that well, what I want to talk about is the genre of games that I would call good vibe games. <laughs> are not relaxing games because there's a whole class of games which are relaxing, like puzzle games, things like that. But they're not necessarily good vibe games, which I, I think is a type of game that requires a lot of, of uh, I suppose, atmosphere, requires a lot of... Um, of, of art design in a lot of cases and also it has to be fucking super easy i think nearly every good vibe game is just like whatever you do we love um oh. we just continue we'll figure this out as, yeah we, we'll figure this out as we go yeah okay um, so for example i would say animal crossing is the prototypical good vibe game <laughs> doesn't fucking matter what you do the game will tell you you're great. The game will play all this happy music, will give you all these people who really like you, will give you very easy things to accomplish to make them happy. And it's fantastic. Stardew Valley, you can make as, as complex or as simple as you want, you know? But yeah. every, every morning you'll wake up to lovely little trumpets playing. You can improve the lives of the villagers, fall in love if you want. Or if you don't, the game is like, that's equally valid. There's no time pressure on you. There's not even that much story to, to, to remove. And so... I'm just, I suppose, I suppose the topic then is kind of like what makes a good vibe game? What are examples of this type of game? For example, is Minecraft a good vibe game? Because yeah, like... definitely, definitely a good vibe game. But there's bad vibes there with Minecraft as well. There's, yeah, there's dark shit going on. The spiders, spiders aren't good vibes. Spiders, skeletons, all this stuff. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then, Mine- uh, Minecraft, uh, Minecraft definitely qualifies though. Because yeah. every time, every time you break a block, block it makes a satisfying sound and things drop all over the place and then make a and sound this when you pick them up peaceful piano music in the background while you do mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Uh, yeah i would say minecraft counts pokemon snap the new one which i got this also counts as a good vibe game the way you earn points and that is by you can earn some points by making pokemon annoyed by like throwing stuff at them but the majority of the points that you can make in that game is by like giving a pikachu an apple and taking a picture of it while it's happy so, yay okay okay or by saving a squirtle from being eaten by a shark. <laughs> I don't so, even pretend to understand how this game works. Pokemon you Snap just, is you... essentially you're on rails. It's a ra- it's yeah. a rail shooter, but instead of shooting Pokemon, you're taking pictures of them, and oh, you can nice. throw apples and other things to make them do stuff. So cool. like you get given achievements. I, 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 there's an achievement, for example, if you can make Pinsir and Heracross friends. Uh, <laughs> And the way you do that is you have to, like, this is a completely arbitrary puzzle. It's not, like, logical. You don't feel any sense of accomplishment for figuring it out because there's no clues to how to do it. But if you make another Pokemon walk along the path, eventually that Pokemon will will run into them and will ch- have a chat to them and will make them, like, resolve whatever issues they were fighting over. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like, nice. I, I haven't so played the challenging. new one. It's not necessarily like... a well-designed game, but it's definitely good vibes. Yeah, I, I haven't played the new one yet, but like even in the old one, it's like, you know, oh, we need to get a picture of a Charizard. And like the way you do that is by knocking a Charmeleon into lava and then he like erupts as a, as a yeah. Charizard now. And it's like, okay, this doesn't really make sense, but that's fine. I'm just taking photos here. I, I don't got to ask. As in, as in the original, Charizard is the least good vibes Pokemon in the entire game. He just keeps showing up and being pissed off. Yeah. Meanwhile, Blastoise is, is perfectly happy. You pass by him, give him an apple, and he'll like fire some uh, water cannons into the air for you. It's lovely. Oh, that's nice though. Okay. Yeah, shit. Blastoise, what a concept. <laughs> yeah. All of the original Pokemon, when you look back on some of them, and you're like, yeah. Mr. Mime is a pedophile. I don't, I don't accept any other interpretation of the inspiration for that character. Maybe well, he's a mime. 
Yeah, mimes are pedophiles. Let's let's be they, honest here. They want they wanted to call him Mister Nance, but they weren't I, allowed. <laughs> I'm not. Why do I have to get involved? What you, the two of you decided to have a crusade against the art of miming, and and I'm. I think the I'm not here for this. I'm not coming along for this. Okay. <laughs> Listen, the art of miming is great, but like the Sith in Star Wars, the, there's a level of evil to it that spreads more than the level of good to it. What are you talking about? The, the, the Jedi in Star Wars are good, but there's a lot more Sith than there is Jedi. So because... who are the Jedi of the theater space then? Huh? So it well, lighting technicians. Classically trained actors are the Jedi of the... Pro- yeah, yeah. If Classically I, anyone, trained actors do mime. Anyone that's played Macbeth no. um, uh, without just, the just, creepy mime makeup quite, on. I feel quite sure there must be video of Patrick Stewart doing mime. I'd watch that. Would that? I'm sure we all would. Patrick as long Stewart, as they, as long as they cut sicko. it off before it gets to anything weird. Patrick Stewart is American dad, though. He has like, no real like sense of, of, of dignity within a classically trained actor. Do you find Who is he? Amazing? American dad? He's fucking... He's the boss in American dad. Um, I think he's the voice it's, of the cat the... in one oh. episode. In Family Guy, I think he's the the mental voice of uh, Joe's Joe's baby. Oh, okay. And he's also a mime? Weird. I don't know. It probably is. I mean, yeah. non-verbal, non-verbal acting and body acting is... An important part of the entire art of theatre practice. Yeah, but anyway, back to what. Sorry, let let me let me explain what I did. So the art the art of miming is is the good. Like it, you know, it's it's inherently it's 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 Fine. not. Yeah, it's it's not bad in the least. But when you become a mime, no, no, when you become a mime, that's when you become a member of the Sith, because then you become evil, because power corrupts. So that's why all mimes are bad, but the actual art of miming is good. Splitting areas now. People can use the force, and that, like, in theory is great. But then the problem is Darth Maul shows up, and Peter Serafinowicz gets told, you're too tall to play this role, so you can be the guy that grunts instead. And, you know, that's why his Star Wars dreams get dashed. Again, evil. The Sith mm. are all generically evil as well. They all just, like, mm. kill people mm. or try to mm. enrich themselves. They're never, you know, racist or... <laughs> is, that, is that what you wanted from, like, Darth Vader? No, that's what I want. I just, I feel like there's more shades of evil there. Like when he, when he, shows, up in, when he shows up in Cloud City to capture Han Solo, he just drops an N-bomb on Lando and he's like, Oh, 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 <laughs> I get that you're evil and all, but calm the fuck down. <laughs> he denies climate change. Like, there's, a, there's, a whole, there's a whole realm of evil there that they haven't explored for the Sith. He's now an anti-masker too. He takes his helmet off and just chokes to death, and he <laughs> refuses to wear it. Oh. I mean, the the entire Sith thing is empire building. The empire empire building is fundamentally a a concentrated of effort against people of presumably people and races of presumably inferior design or whatever. That's not it, that that's come out wrong. It's a it's a supremacist ideology. <laughs> it has it did come out wrong a little bit. That's fine. You saved it. It's all right. You know we got what but you I, meant. But I mean, the yeah. Jedi, the Jedi are organized virginity, so I don't, I don't really know if, if that's true. That's quite either true. Either side is, is good there. Yeah, yeah, that is I've, true. I found a paper, "The Power of the Force: Race, Gender, and Colonialism in the Star Wars Universe," by John Paul Pianca, faculty advisor. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's an MA thesis. Oh, um, well, we know Will someone we that. The, uh... Do you want to skip to the conclusion? Sure. Skip to where the, the racism comes out. I want to I hear which, which count it was or dart or whatever they are. And I don't um, want it just to be that George Lucas is racist because like, I assume all real people... 
I don't know. Just he's informed by his cultural context, so there's at least a little bit of cultural stereotyping gonna come in there. Jar Jar Binks is a racist character, but I, that's hmm. that's not interesting. Well, I, I know that. I assume that. I want I want to be told that like fucking Gongo Bongo or Boba Fett or anyone who's actually in the universe is racist. Like little known fact, but Boba Fett doesn't speak to Gungans or something like that. That's what I want. I mean, in fairness, I wouldn't speak to Gungans either. They're fucking annoying. <laughs> Okay, what's the hmm. what's the conclusion, Zeno? Let me just well it's not the conclusion here. Hang on. I've just I've just searched the document for racism here, so bear with me a second. <laughs> okay, while well, he looks that just up, then what the fuck were we talking about before we got to mimes? We were talking and also about how did we get to mimes? We were talking about good vibe games, but first I want to make the point that you know how like eighty percent of everyone you see in the Star Wars universe is a human? Does that mean yeah. that humans fuck way more than every other alien species in Star Wars? You know it, baby! Woo! <laughs> No one else enjoys it. Everyone else like, has to do it like every decade to like procreate the species, and humans are just going around with their dick hanging out the entire yeah. time. Well, it's like that I famous Han Solo line when he's about to get frozen, and he says, I fuck like a Wookiee, and then they freeze him in carbonite. <laughs> Princess Leia just you goes... You should <laughs> How does he know what a Wookiee fucks like? <laughs> Chewbacca looking guilty. Hey, look, it's been him and Chewie on the road for a long time, buddy. Sorry, go on, Steve. What was the what? Hmm. So, we were talking about Pokemon Snap four minutes ago. So there's there's several pages of content here about Chewbacca's escape from slavery. Uh, they say it's never fully developed in the films. The author says Chewbacca has a history that's well known to many Star Wars fans, according to expanded universe because novels, comics, and video games. Chewbacca came from the planet Kashyyyk, a heavily wooded world on which the primitive race of Wookies made their homes in trees. With the dawn of the Empire following Revenge of the Sith, the fat planet fell under Imperial control. Could someone do the Imperial March mouth noises, please? Da, 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 the Empire da, saw the Wookiees as a physically strong but intellectually limited people, perfect for slave labor. Chewbacca and his people were shipped across the gallery and sold into slavery. At some point, Han Solo and, at the time, a reluctant Imperial conscript came across the transcript carrying Chewie and realizing this was an evil he could not live with, helped Chewbacca and the rest of the Wookiees on the transport get free. He thereafter abandoned the Imperial Navy and became a smuggler with Chewbacca at his side. Heartwarming backstory to one of the science fiction's most famous friendships. However, close inspection reveals a number of problems. It's problematic. For one, while the Empire's enslavement of the Wookiees is clearly frowned upon, the portrayal of the Wookiees as helpless tree-dwelling simpletons is problematic. This aspect of Chewie's backstory is a clear allegory to the 19th century slave trade. In both instances, native people were outmatched by their invaders in both numbers and technology. They were wrenched from their families and friends and sold to slave owners who were worlds away. In fact, the similarities are so clear that when the audience learns that the Wookiees are primitive tree dwellers, it can become difficult to separate this trait from the African slaves they are paralleling. This story's condemnation of slavery is a step in the right direction, but the portrayal of the native people as tree dwelling and even monkey like is detestable. Furthermore, okay. once Chewbacca escapes slavery, he, much like Jar Jar, trades one life of certitude from another in the form of a life debt to Han Solo and the Wookiees George Lucas gives us a race that under the right circumstances is happy to serve uh, to serve a master, a precursor to the Gungans of the prequel trilogy, that an entire race would not only allow the enslavement of their own people, but encourage it through their traditions. So, uh, so this is basically what we said, that this is racism because of cultural stereotyping in the real world and that's yeah i 
so I don't really like Star Wars, right? But or here's the Han to give Chewbacca I'm... command. He'll be bound by the laws of his own people to obey. More troubling of all is the fact, again. And then, and then it just goes into Princess Leia calling him a walking carpet, which is um, probably well, that's possibly isn't... a slur. That's what I yeah. want. Dude. That's that's like that's that's in universe racism. Mm-hmm. So one thing, all right. I, I'm not I'm not really a Star Wars fan. Uh, it's just it doesn't grab me. But so here here's the my only problem I have with that. That starts off with with being like the movies don't touch on this. If the movies come first and then you write a story that wasn't written about the fucking movie, can you really say the movie didn't touch on it? Is that not a bit fucking far fetched? If I write like a fucking book that like leads up to Avengers Endgame and then go, well, Avengers Endgame didn't actually do any of this thing that's in the book that 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 comes after the movie came out. That's hardly fair. That's not a fair criticism. You can't Listen, get you, you can't say the creator this, didn't I just found this thesis after five minutes of Googling online. I'm not saying it's a particularly good one because there's lots of misspellings in it. Clearly not very good. I'm Sorry. just saying that for all of George Lucas's I'm sure many flaws you can't exactly say someone didn't touch on something in a movie that they created when the thing they didn't touch on was something they didn't create that was created after the movie they made. That everyone knows. Everyone knows the expanded universe is clearly more important than the actual films themselves in the Star Wars fan base. Yeah. You know. Whereas, you know. You know what's another good vibe game? The movies. That one where you make movies and everyone yeah. likes the movies no matter how how shit you make them. They were great. That was like The Sims, except for then when you made this little movie on the Hollywood set, they played it back for you. That was, was great. great. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Speaking of which, Lego Star Wars, Excellent. great vibes. Ah, like, all yeah, the Lego the games Lego are very good. Mm. Yeah, excellent show. Um, especially when they started... I, I, I found it very weird when they started adding in voice acting from the movies they were adapting. Like, I think they did that in Lord of the Rings. Mm. And it's oh. really weird to hear Viggo Mortensen's voice coming from a little Lego man. <laughs> oh. Like it was much yeah, better that, when that it was just really on, like Looney Tunes or something, or like like a, a silent kind of comedy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know they had voices in them. Now it shows how long it's been since I've played a Lego game <laughs> that I didn't realize <laughs> that voices were a thing in them. Uh, yeah, the Lego, the Lego games are great. Yeah, we should. When, when, let's uh, let's look into buying the movies and 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 doing a, a series of videos in in there. Let let's 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 make some movies together. Let, let's look into doing that. You right. can't, unfortunately. It doesn't exist. They haven't put it online and what? can't get caught. It's very, and copies of it are like hundreds of euros. What, uh, what is it? It's the movies. The movies is what it's called. This, is, it not, uh, is it an EA game? Do they not have it on their EA store? No. I, I don't know What's the platform? PC. Um, the I mean, surely it's torrentable. I tried to find this before, yeah. and apparently it's really, really not. Oh, By torrentable, he this... means fully buyable online somewhere. Don't question us. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll pay. I'm, I'm sure I have a license tucked away for it. You have a license for it, don't you, Dan? You've played it before. Ah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you ha- you do actually have a license in a drawer somewhere. Great, excellent. Let's uh, <laughs> let's not criminate ourselves. And if you're we the moral, you're the moral right to play the game. Okay, we'll look into this. I I, I would love to. I would love to make a series of of movies. Um, mm-hmm. that we could post. Well, let's 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 see. Let's let's look into that. That's, that's something later. Uh, yeah, the, the movies was a great good vibes game. The Sims isn't a great good vibes game because it's very stressful. People can yeah, die. Yeah, true. You very quickly lose interest in in the people you spent hours making. Well, people. Not only can people die. It's like you know, you're you're you know, you're trying to make them like more artistic so they get promoted in their job and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like their kitchen catches fire and they burn to death, and then they're dead <laughs> now. I and then I like have... the. 
the tree like young never teenagers. Seen anyone like achieve their dreams in the sim like i've never seen someone finish a book in the sim <laughs> no. I, I i really wanted one of my sims to be a writer uh, <laughs> they just kept it's, it's a very realistic portrayal of the writing process they kept typing away and they never fucking finished <laughs> in the end they became an accountant for 34,000 simoleons a year or whatever <laughs> yeah sims sims is too stressful to be a good vibes game but the other tycoon games are great even fucking in rollercoaster tycoon you can kill people and it doesn't affect anything people are that's true like, what a great park i had a lovely time until my brains were splattered across the pavement one of my favorite games true. of all time another tycoon game railroad tycoon 3 specifically the third one is that's that a the, good that's the game? Oh yeah, or... it's, it's the first. It's the first one with a 3D engine, so it's actually you know runs halfway normal and looks like an actual normal game rather than being something from the 1940s. It's um, yeah, it's just just run trains around and lay track down and go over mountains and drag drag loads of you know timber and milk and uh, people, passengers, post. I think I think Oil. maybe the key to a good vibes game is it just gives you a scenario uh, or a world and it's like do whatever the fuck you want I don't give a shit. Well, also it gives you constant feedback. So every time a train pumps and pulls into the station, you get hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that that is a you know a big boost and that lays you down and that can let you down lay down lots and lots of track. It gets a bit does it get a bit boring after a while? No, it gets you. You're kind of lost like once you have the initial revenue generation aspects of the train system down you get to go for bigger and faster and more enthusiastic expansions and replace all your trains at the same time with exciting and more expensive models and upgrade everything to electric trains and eventually you invent, you invent teleportation and then the game is just no fuck off okay cool it's, <laughs> it's all about the trains <laughs> that's even it. it's just car, it's even when, the, else. when the cars come along on the train in the in the railroad train say i i make a point of not making any cars or of not facilitating the growth of the car industry it's all about the trains what about planes yeah they're there too but they don't really matter oh rob's gonna be pissed when he hears that buddy he's not gonna like that one at all they just pass over they're not relevant to the rest of the game okay there's an event in like the 1970s where when the when the game clock reaches the 1970s, there's a reduced quantity of passenger transit. I suppose that's a bit yeah. of it, really. Yeah. I'm trying to... I'm looking through a list of games that I have here, and I've just realized, like, most of my games are just, I, just all aggressive. Just none, none of them are good vibes games. That's why I'm probably always in a foul mood. I just... I'm surrounded by aggression and, I, and it stress. Is a very, it is a very weirdly, like, limited uh, field. So when I was looking this up earlier and just trying to see other people's suggestions online, the games that were being suggested were things like Skyrim and, Skyrim. The, Witcher 3, and the Witcher 3 because if you chose not to go super violent, there were probably peaceful areas you could just ride your horse around in. Yeah, but then that's not good vibes because you're fucking you're riding your little horse and like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden the fucking giant troll is chasing you down with a, a, yeah. a mammoth's bone to try and crush your skull. That's not that's stressful. That's, that's like saying good. Grand Theft Auto is is chill because you can just drive around listening to the radio. I think because you think... could sit, you could sit by the pool and not leave. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the road laws. I think I think the closest to a good vibes game that isn't is Breath of the Wild, because you can just genuinely True. have a nice time exploring in that. Until every so often you get like a laser pointed at you and you're not really sure where it's coming from and you just have to mm -hmm. run and hope you don't die. 
Like, I'm looking at games here, like Tropico, not a good vibes game. No. You can try and make it a good vibes game, but inevitably someone tries to assassinate you. So not not a good vibes game. Also, you're uh, oppressing a, a whole a whole race. Well, I, I don't argue, mind. That, I would argue. I would argue. Here. I would argue. Stronghold is uh, no, it's not really, is it? I'm looking at my Steam list here, and it is pretty negative and pretty violent. Yeah, especially when you put them in like cesspits. I have a game called. <laughs> you can't, you can't put them in cesspits. Yeah, I know, but that's the implication. Red Faction Guerrilla is good. It's revolutionary, and you break things with a hammer. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, Some and games that... can be good vibes if you play them a very specific. Stellaris can be a very good vibes, hopeful tale of humanity colonizing the stars, or it can be the most grim, like Warhammer 40k, commit genocide in a scale of trillions type game. So, what about Crusader Kings? No, because yeah, well, Crusader Kings is just, is, is, you know, a, a genocide and incest it's, simulator. Simulator. So no, that's not a good vibes game, unfortunately. Mm. No, I was gonna say Civilization, and that's that's almost on its way there. But Civilization is too involved to be a good vibes game. You know, you can't you can't zone out while playing Civilization because mm. inevitably, also, inevitably it's complicated. The most recent expansion is Global Warming in it, so it's too stressful. <laughs> now yeah. Good vibes anyway. Plus, as everyone knows, like you always set off with the best intention. You're like, this is the run I'm gonna do where I'm gonna I'm gonna end this game with diplomacy, and inevitably it ends the game with you taking over every other camp violently because you've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna send the army in for this one camp, and then we're done, and you end, you're in you're in a war with everyone. Suddenly you're like firing missiles down on fucking like India on the left hand quadrant of the map, and you're like, I'm just gonna have to kill them all in. And well, if you wanted a good vibes game, you shouldn't have invented nukes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You always end up there. You always yeah. you try. You try your best, and inevitably it ends up with like I'm going to be peaceful this time, and it, you know it never goes that way. The most dystopian civilization game I ever played was when I decided I wanted to try and win diplomatically, but I realized that the world was too out of control climate change wise. There's too yeah. much CO2 being produced, so I wouldn't like none of my cities would survive long enough for me to win a <laughs> diplomatic game. So I just built nukes, nuked every other city <laughs> from every other civilization and earth, took them all. The world was an irradiated mess, but I still won a domination victory and didn't have to live with the consequences <laughs> of my actions. It's crazy uh, that you're just playing games where you're predicting the future. Yeah. <laughs> where, you're just, where you're predicting like how our retirement goes when yeah. everyone just gets nukes to the fucking dirt let's just say it's civilization I'm a lot more worried about what the Scythians are going to do than I am in real life you know what one of my favorite good vibes games is Dragon Quest Builders I didn't play the second one I've only played the first one but it's a, it's basically a Minecraft-esque building game based within like the Dragon Quest like world like they have Dragon Quest skins over it the enemies are all Dragon Quest enemies you know they're all very cartoony looking and stuff like that it's very good um the game isn't really made for it to be like a buildy game it's more like there's levels in it and like missions in it but I ignored all of those and I just I just built up my little town and and went out getting stuff there and that was great when I played it that was a that was a really good game I'm mean, I'm hoping and assuming that the sequel is more along the buildy side than the go kill the dragon side but we'll see that, that's that's probably my favorite one i like the i like the the music in it is great the the landscape's great all the enemies are great you know it's a fun little game one game that i've been playing a lot of recently is called RimWorld. um it allows you harvest organs from people that you capture so i don't think it's good vibes at all i i enjoy how much you've committed to identifying the most exact opposite games though. <laughs> <laughs> or fortress <laughs> Yeah, it's like Dwarf Fortress. It's a good game. I'm having a lot of fun with it, actually. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've been playing Yakuza 0, and I'm having a great time with that game, but you can't really call it a good vibes game. Because for um, as goofy as it is, it's still a game based on the Yakuza, <laughs> you know? And then he like at one point you do like think about stabbing a blind woman to death, so it's like, eh, you know, <sighs> there's hits, there's swings and roundabouts, you know, when you're when you're the club manager and you're you're running those weird like Japanese cabaret clubs where you get attracted women to talk to people who are lonely to take all their money from them. That mm. part of the game is good, you know. You gotta <laughs> you're building up your little business. That's cool. But then again, you do switch to the next scene where you're bashing someone's brains in with a baseball bat. So it's like, eh, swings and roundabouts, swings and roundabouts. And then a type of game that should be good vibes in terms of atmosphere, art design, sound, and everything else, but isn't are any Mario game because they're all way too frustrating. So it can't be good vibes if you get fucking blue shelled by Donkey Kong just before you cross the finish line or knocked into the lava by a chain chomp just when you're about to hit the next checkpoint. I think there has to be a certain level of lack of challenge there as well. Otherwise you can't properly relax. Yeah, yeah, like even the new one, you know, it has the cat powers. Everyone likes them, but they're thinking like, well, you know, but the problem with these new powers is you're never going to use them. That game throws the cat powers at you at the start of every fucking level. You want to be a cat? You're a cat now. The problem is that every level starts and you've got a timer in one corner and the map is scrolling up. If you don't keep moving, you're going to get off the map and killed. And so it's a constant rush around. It's crazy stressful. Oh, that's so, that sounds so stressful. Even, even being the cat doesn't nullify how stressful it is. <laughs> Does it make it more stressful? I mean, it it helps. If you weren't the cat, it would probably be a lot more stressful than it it is in the end. But you're still constantly outrunning debt. You're just like you know fluffier. Mm. My topic. Who wants to okay. go there? Stephen, what do you got for us? Uh. Uh. I, I got absolutely nothing. Give me three seconds. Adam, what's your topic? Okay. Do you already, do we already do yours? No. Okay. Uh, my topic. Yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I have one. I have one. It's just come to me. But you go ahead, Adam. Okay. I I have a I have I have a dream. I've been thinking a lot lately about like uh, about like major sports moments, right? So like you know, get like like hitting the hitting a three pointer before the end of a of an NBA final, or getting a home run. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking like, man, I really want to hit a home run, or you know, or or win some kind of grand slam, but. I want to do that in the shower. Let me let me explain. Let me explain. I don't I'm think gonna, I'm I gonna have... just go out here and say I, I don't know where you're going with this, but I he am wants to take training. the greatest shower of all time. It's fairly obvious. I I don't think I have ever had a shower in my life where I haven't gotten shampoo in my eyes, and I mean every shower, <laughs> every shower. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I'm squeaky fucking clean, but I will get shampoo or shower gel or conditioner or whatever in my eyes every fucking shower of my life. You need to I'm, wash your eyeballs. I'm almost 30. And like, Aoife will tell you, I will leave the, sh- the, the bathroom sometimes after having a shower and my eyes are like bright fucking red and bloodshot because I've burned the shit out of them by accidentally getting shampoo in my eyes and just burned the crap out of it. I, I, just, I just want one. I just want one perfect shower moment. One one home run, one slam dunk, what you know, one field goal. I just want one moment where I, I come out of the shower squeaky clean and my eyes perfect. I can see see for miles. No 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 shampoo in them, no blurriness, no stinging, no redness. Just that's all I want. Just the one. Just the one. I, I mean this in the least erotic way possible, but I'm intensely curious about your shower technique now. Yeah, I, I, I think you're doing something wrong here. I don't think what? I've gotten shampoo in my eyes since I was eight or nine. 
Well, so when you Do get you into leave the your shower, eyes open when you're putting the shampoo in. Of course, he has to show the shampoo. He's not scared. Otherwise, well, I'll continue trying to get in his eyes. Yeah, I, I leave my eyes open like the entire time I'm in the shower. All right. Well, well there's your like, first. Well, there's your first not, problem. Not when I'm like washing my face. Obviously, when I'm when I'm washing my face, I have them closed. But like, yeah, for the most part, yeah. It's, it's so like when, when you're, you're in the shampoo in your hair. You your yeah, eyes my eyes are open. Of course. Yeah. Well, there. Well, there's your problem. But, but how, how would just closing my eyes help? Then I'm just blind. Need to see to put you also, gotta, you, also gotta, you also gotta work from front to back and, and also whip your head back so that you're, it flows down the back of your head rather than the front well, of your head. I do, I put my head back when I'm washing my hair, but like ultimately, I still like inevitably, I'm still gonna get something in my eyes. But also, if I cl- if my eyes are closed and I have shampoo on my face and I open my eyes, surely I will still get shit in my eyes. You, leave, you gotta leave them closed and you wa- until you wash your face off, yeah, yeah until the shampoo has. Yeah. Descended from your skull. Mm. How are you? A, are you a, a nozzle facer or a nozzle back boy? Uh, I'm in, in both. I, like I, when I'm washing my my front, I obviously have, I'm facing it. But then when I'm washing my back, I'm I'm or my hair, okay. I turn around. Yeah, that could be part of the problem as well. You mm. you see, you want you want the cleanest or least soapy part of the water hitting your uh, starting at your. You want the flow to go from the front of your face towards the back of your head, mm. in my in my view, anyway. So that's mm. why I would always point the shower nozzle at the at the crown of my head, and then work it backwards, mm. like this, rather than letting it get anywhere near the eyes, and that minimizes the quantity of of soap that mm. will approach the eyes. At the very but there's least, still, but there's still some soap. Well, I I never had a problem with it. Yeah, I have a massive forehead, so maybe the soap just isn't surviving the journey down my brow, and that's mm. that's why it doesn't get into my eyes. I Work just... from front to back. I haven't had a problem with soap in my eyes yeah, in years. My soap just just sits in the hair until I want to wash it out. It, I, it, uh, it knows its I place. Like... It doesn't leave the reservation. Maybe you're using like too you're... much. Maybe you're using too much shampoo. Hmm, maybe. Well, just how, I, much, I'm how just... much are we talking here? Well, like you use a bottle per shower, right? <laughs> you, you really use two, two. No, I you, you you use like a I don't know a fair amount I suppose you like a like a handful. Like if you're washing you... your butt, like with the shower gel, if you're washing like your whole body, you've got like a handful, and then you ladder yourself all up. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't use a handful. I'd use way less than that. Oh, I'd almost like I use like a mm-hmm. teaspoon or so instead of talking not a teaspoon. I'm not taking a teaspoon <laughs> into the shower. <laughs> okay, well I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'd I'm not bringing like a... accessories in for the perfect shower. <laughs> I'd almost like use like a, 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 a what's it called? What's the thing you use to tablespoon? Uh, what's the thing you use to clean your teeth with? Toothbrush. Uh, toothbrush. <laughs> toothpaste. I'd use like a toothpaste-sized amount, and then when well, that's gone, I'd add more mm. until all of my hair is covered. So, admittedly, if I was to use a toothpaste-sized amount, I'd still probably be using far too much based on this conversation because I definitely <laughs> use way too much toothpaste. But <laughs> chugging it down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, because yeah. they always they always say pea size. What the fuck does that mean? What size is a pea? I I can't be dealing with that. I'm just gonna put some on the fucking toothbrush. Sure, you know? this is pea sized. Nah, I just I, this is like when people say use two egg whites. What does what does that mean? If I'm cracking two eggs, that's great. That's two egg whites. If I have a carton of egg whites that this person is using, what the fuck is two egg whites? Mm, yeah, See, true. these are arbitrary things. Anyway, egg- just one. That's all I want. Just one shower. I feel like I'm doing everything you guys say, except for the only difference is my eyes are open. But I don't feel like that would change anything. Maybe I think it like really would ma- change everything. I think there's some massive unspoken thing you're doing wrong. That like it's so basic that we haven't even considered it. Like, 
you're going. Are you putting the like, shampoo directly into your eyeballs? Yeah, he's got he's got massive like cones or funnels just leading directly to his eyes. <laughs> well, no, I put the, the I put the shampoo on my forehead and then I lean back so the shampoo like goes back like it's oh, yeah, that, that, That's no, no you yeah, don't. That's expected. No, I what? put it on my fucking hand and I rub it into my head. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm just I'm watching you guys to demonstrate this stuff and I'm just thinking like this feels like everything I'm doing. All right, next, I just next don't get it. Will be, the next recording will be from the shower. And when I say I do this every time, by the way, I literally mean every shower I ever have. Even when I shower two to three times a day, I will get shampoo in my eyes or shower gel every fucking time. I cannot not do it. I don't know how it happens. It just happens. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see you haven't developed any sort of immunity or, you, or you're not used to it at this stage. This still hurts every time. Maybe we no, could get a GoPro and coach you how to, how to shower on stream. Maybe. Maybe that can be like a Patreon thing. Yeah. We could all, we'll, if at at a at a hundred patrons, we'll we'll live stream a shower. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, people can message me and tell me how to shower properly because apparently I don't know how to do it. Just <laughs> co coach me through how you don't burn your eyes every shower. That'd be great. I'd love that. All right, you want my topic now? Of course you do. Go ahead. It's about my quest for the perfect pair of trousers for cycling in. Okay. It's a real problem. Dan, you may be able to relate. 34 inch waist, 30 inch inseam. It's really difficult to find trousers that just have that little bit of stretch. Obviously, what I need in my life is jaggings. I'm prepared to accept that. I just want something that will stand up in business casual and also make it a couple of kilometers by bike to work. That's it. That's all, that's all I've ever wanted in life. And these jeans or trousers whatever shape or shade they may be in, continue to elude me. It's desperately upsetting. I found the big problem with, with trousers and cycling is I noticed that all of my trousers were getting the exact same rips in them, the exact yep. same wearing away on the inside thigh. Inside oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what? why are they? It's like, do I have fat thighs or something? And then mm. it was eventually pointed out it's because it's rubbing against the bike seat the entire time. Yep. So it's been like worn away over a few months. But like for... I think a solid like six pairs of trousers that I own all roughly simultaneously just ripped right on the yep. inside thigh. And it, it immediately makes the trousers both unrepairable and unusable because obviously like those... But also those very holes, sensual. Very yeah, sensual. those holes quickly become more than enough for at least one bollock to fall through. Yeah, that always is the fear. Well, because you you get to that stage where like most of the denim is completely torn, so it's just mm. like the 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 tread that's holding yeah. the the yeah. hole from being open. But then it does rip, and you kind of think like, yeah, what if? Mm. What if? Part of the issue for me is that um, I've seen some writing about this, which suggests that um, it's actually toxic masculinity that has prevented men from fully embracing stretchy pants in recent years that, uh, the whole obsession with structure and salvage and tough denim and workwear and, and bulletproof clothing and stuff actually constrains men's bodies and makes it incredibly uncomfortable for us. And it's our own fault, uh, that there isn't a mass market for this. All I want is a reinforced gusset. The rest I can live with Re reinforced gusset, nice room in the seat. And, uh, you know, something that's going to hold up on the saddle but also stretch around the legs because girls don't have this problem because they can wear skirts or leggings. I sort of agree. It. And to more broadly, we need to mm. revise our, our, uh, our, our, yeah, toxic masculine dem demand for heavy pants because I want to wear harem pants. They look mm. super comfortable, but 
they're just they're not offered for, I get what Luxify did right now. I want no. it to be acceptable for me to go around just dressed like, you know, the, the Pasha's concubine or something. My my current problem, and I don't know if this is a problem as much for slimmer men, uh, or men with less less ample seats, but <laughs> that's the word for it. I have an ample seat. Um you mean I, wanna, the I, wanna, I need to cycle to work and uh, presently I'm working in a courtroom environment. So I have to, I can't, I can't rock in wearing shorts like I normally would. But I also don't have anywhere to change because there's only the public bathrooms. Um, and, you know, it's rather unpleasant to do so. There's nowhere to shower either. So I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. With regard to my commute to work. Surely there's a pair of jeans that has like a, a stretchy, like tie area. You see, the problem is the stretchy thigh area isn't as, I, I have a feeling that this is the problem. It isn't as tough um, or it isn't, mm, it isn't, it isn't able to stand up to the, uh, I suppose maybe what I need is chaps. For Assless chaps. Well, it would certainly help with cooling. Yeah, exactly. You won't get all sweaty when you're waiting your court job. But like, how do we reinforce the inside thighs while also making the trousers out of a material which will stand the tests and rigors of constant friction, friction and the stretching and straining of my buttocks against the fabric? I'm talking about Adam in the shower and Steve's buttocks. Yes. Yeah. It's our most sexual episode. We'll do a try on. I yeah. also I'm curious here, Steve. When you say that if you're working at the court, you can't go in in shorts. Like, are they do they specifically enforce a dress code there, or is that is that just social pressure? I'm just I mean, being fairness, I'm just just being realistic here, Dan. I you mean, need... in fairness, the fucking judge wears a muumuu. <laughs> just, just being realistic. Just being realistic here, Dan. Like, all the pomp and ceremony of court still goes on. Barristers in their robes. The entire place is in uniforms. Everyone else is in suits. I can't turn up in shorts. Realistically. And, and yeah. I can't turn up in shorts and do my job uh, effectively because it involves talking to people uh, and and being respect or being, being sufficiently uh, being taken seriously. Unfortunately, one requires if... to be taken seriously, and all of that is just about theatre. Okay, what if this is just I have two potential workarounds here. Both both involve shorts, right? So you've you've your yep. jean shorts on, you know, yep. legs are all cool. Yeah, either. You get a pair of socks uh-huh. that look like denim, so when yeah. you roll them up to your knee, they mm. finish the jorts, so it looks like you're wearing full jeans, but it's yeah. just socks. Uh-huh. Or you paint your legs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both options. One, obviously, is a much quicker option, because you know, you've yeah. got to put the socks on, but the socks might get sweaty. Yeah. And it might be really uncomfortable to wear socks around all summer. You know, you just might not be great, but the paint, the paint might do it, because you just get mm. really tight-fitting jorts, then paint your legs, yeah. Match the match the seam, and then people yeah. won't won't realize. Hmm. What about a full yeah. sleeve tattoo from the from the thigh down? You could do that. Or yeah, if you if you just if you just dye your bollock, then uh, even if you do get that rip in the trousers and your balls fall out, it doesn't matter. No one will see it'll be if anything, it's gonna cover the rip. Yeah. Mm. That's a different meaning to blue balls. Like a cod though. piece. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's just... a that's a permanent blue balls. You don't you don't really want to do that. <laughs> Might be difficult in cold winter's day though. <laughs> I like the idea that go, taking going in shorts to the courtroom would get you completely kicked out, but just going with one blue bollock would be fine. 
Well, you no, it's the a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> ah, he's one of us. Is this you at the court telling people that don't notice that your that your ball has fallen out of your shorts? <laughs> that you had a wardrobe malfunction? <laughs> yes. Okay. I admire the honesty. Gotta be done. Yeah, I, I thought when you applied for this job that you were applying for a job of judge and uh, was very disappointed to hear that that's not the case. Like yeah, I'm sorry. I, I think you need to spend, I think you need a law degree for that, at, at least. Do you, though? <laughs> I think it helps. I don't know. I, I hear, like, I, like, in more civilized countries than this fucking rock we live on, uh, I, I think that maybe you would need a, a law degree and maybe, you know, a lot of experience in the legal system to be a, to be a, a judge or a well-appointed or respected judge. But I don't know. I mean, you look at it here and you kind of think, like, man, I don't think there's a man, woman, or child in this country who doesn't have at least 17 convictions against them and it's just thrown through the street as if there's nothing, nothing going on. Um, you know, because we're all a, a, a class of high-character individuals who, who shouldn't possibly have any kind of long-standing punishment. I, I think you can just make anyone a judge, really. You might say that. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> okay, is, is that is that us? Are we are we are we out for for our our tenth episode? Is this how we're going out? Dan okay, has given fine. up. He's looking at his phone. Okay, not... fine. This 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 is <laughs> this is episode the... ten of Morning Brew. Uh, t- thanks for everyone listening, especially Owen Harris. Um, uh, and as as I mentioned earlier, Barbara J. Pym will be getting her her prize <laughs> in the mail any day now. And thank you very much for, for that great piss story. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Media Suplex. You can follow me at Swagger Gills. I've been Adam Sheridan. I'm still Stephen Burke. I'm Where still... can they find you, Stephen? Oh, yeah. Adam Burkock. It's probably better that they don't. And I'm Daniel Purcell, and you can find me at Mr. Daniel Purcell or Barbara J. Pym or any of the in-betweens. Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara Streisand. <laughs>